Howdy there, folks, and welcome to The Random Men, where two experts and nothing talk about everything. Y'all welcome back to the second part of our first two-parter. Tonight, we continue our conversation about some of our favorite cult classic films. If we didn't call out some of your favorites last time, then maybe this is your episode. So let's jump right back in to part two, as two random men discuss cult classics. again sir yes it's yes. uh been a little while sorry sorry i missed last week yep everybody knows we took a week off keith he was on vacation mm-hmm. how'd your vacation go in beautiful fredericksburg texas oh it's wonderful down there man uh just german beer wine good food just oh yeah oh. i come back five or ten pounds heavier every time we go for sure for sure but yeah we came back with a, a quite a few Bottles of wine. So didn't you buy a case of wine? <laughs> Two cases of wine. <laughs> Our favorite winery was going out of business. And it, oh, it's terrible, sucks. but the guy the uh, the guy is moving on to bigger and better things. And Good uh, for so him. we got to go one last time before they shut down. So it was nice. But yeah, they were just throwing bottles of wine at us. Like, like we'll put it in the car. Okay. Let's go for it. Yeah, <laughs> sure, sure. I'm, I'm fine with that. So yeah. So Two cases of wine already gone. <laughs> uh, no, no, not yet. Not yet. <laughs> Not yet. You chip it away at it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. All, All right, right, man. Well, getting back into our two-parter. Yeah. We're talking about cult classic movies. Yeah, because, I mean, I know we could do probably ten episodes on cult classics, but we thought we needed at least to do one more because, man, we just barely started scratching the surface. Yeah, time was kind of running out. We were needing to call it quits, and we weren't even done with our conversation. Yeah. We still could have rolled for a while. Yeah, I know we... Uh, for some of these episodes, we kind of try to maybe make a little little note list or something like that to kind of give some some key points on some of the things. And with this one, it was so easy. Like, we didn't even have to do any of that kind of stuff. And we you, got done recording that episode, and we're like, oh, dude, we got so many more. Like, ones that are a little bit more in-depth, a little bit deeper, ones that hadn't, that don't get oh, talked about. That people know us. They know yeah. we're not deep. Well, you know what I mean. Like, ones <laughs> that, that maybe haven't seen the, the light of day opposed yeah. to some of the other ones. But I do think that to start off this episode, the one that we should talk about that is probably on most people's list of cult classics that have watched it a million times and will watch it again and again, The Princess Bride. One of my favorite films. Oh, yeah. You can show it to anybody. It's another one of those perfect examples of, it's a great story. I know it was a book that they adapted, but it's a great story, but all the characters were so great. And again, one of those... There's not one character in the movie that you quote more than the others. Does that make sense? Like, everybody has their quotable lines. That's true. And it's so amazing. Yeah. And uh, Even so, Bassini. Yes. Yeah. They were going to actually make it in the late 70s, originally. And they're like, oh, we need this big, you know, uh, really large guy to play Fezzik. Fezzik. And they were like they were kind of bouncing around names like man who's like this big huge hulking guy that we can find and they were like he's got to be a giant they he's were described like, as a giant uh, in the book there's this guy i think he's a bodybuilder uh arnold Schwarzenegger, something like that and that's where they were he's gonna been get. a mr universe a couple times yeah so they were going to get arnold to play play him originally which would have been cool but the fact that then they waited a little bit and came back and it was Andre the giant was just amazing totally like, different film if you have arnold in there and one of the cool things is they every one of the actors in it talked about the whole time he was like the big brother to everybody during everything they did everything i've ever heard read about andre the giant said he was the biggest teddy bear lovable oh yeah genuinely good when, nice man every time that they would do a scene 
uh, where he would actually like touch somebody or do whatever. He'd be like, "Hey, you know, let me know. Tell me if I'm being you know too much or yeah. you know too rough or whatever, because I could just crush your skull if I wanted to. Just be grabbing <laughs> you by the shoulder could injure you." Yeah, they said uh, when they'd be filming scenes that were super cold, like outside, it was really cold because mm-hmm. they were I forget where they were filming, but uh, anyway, Robin Wright. Robin Wright. She would get cold, and so he would just put his hand over her head, and his fingers would come down past her eyes, and the base of his palm would actually be in the back of her, like in the back of her neck. And he would sit there and just put his hand over to keep her warm. Oh, stuff like a that. Human beanie. Yep, yep. And when they did the scenes where they were climbing the mountain, uh, I knew he was having a lot of back issues at the he time. He was having too. back issues. Yeah, yeah. He was definitely having some issues with stuff, but he. They said he was. You know, he still took it all in stride and was like, nope, I can do it. You know, it'll be fine. But they were filming the scene where they were climbing up the mountain. Everybody was on his back. Mm-hmm. And the guy that played Vecini, um, Wallace Shaw, I believe, was his name. Wallace he Shaw. was deathly is his name. afraid of heights. And so during oh, part of it, they were actually like up like really filming high. Filming on cliffs. And they said like constantly through filming that scene, Andre would reach back and pat him on the back and go, I got you, buddy. It's okay. Man, I'll take care see? of you. you. Stuff like that. Like, oh, man. Like, ah. Oh. He was literally the heart of that movie. Angel on Earth. Yes. But so many other things about it. Like the uh, the sword fight scene on top of the Cliffs of Doom or whatever it was. Uh, insanity. Cliffs, Cliffs of, insanity. of Insanity, yes. They had actually trained for that scene so much and learned like real sword fighting. That was all done like in only a handful of takes. And it was literally them doing the whole thing. There was no stunt doubles. There was nothing. It was them It trained. still makes like the one of the top ten lists of cinematic sword fights. Oh, yeah. And, you think and that was really Carrie Elvis and Manny Patekin yes. doing, I think, everything except for right, the gymnast part, right? I think so, yeah. The where he does, where he the, does flip. the flip. Yep. Everything else was them actually Man. doing the fighting. They had actually studied it and learned it, choreographed it, worked it out. Um, there was another part where they were talking about uh, nobody good. else wanted to sword fight with them because they were like, they were so good. Like everybody else like, we're just regular actors. Like, we don't know what we're doing. <laughs> and I think the guy that played the seven... Six Finger Man. The Six Finger Man was scared to death of Manny Patinkin. Of Manny Patinkin fighting him, and like at one point they were doing something, and he apparently stabbed him in the leg, and like actually like drew blood. <laughs> and he's like, "This guy's gonna kill me!" Like, holy moly! Like, he's really, really good. I guess prop swords. I don't know anything about prop swords, but I guess they're good enough to poke you in the leg. They were in, in that occasion, yeah, for sure. But then, like I said, back to the whole thing. Like, so many one-liners in that. Mm-hmm. So many. I never noticed. Until you said it, that yeah, really every character, from Billy Crystal to Wallace Shaw, all of them. They said uh, Chris Sarandon. They said King when, they the, when they did the scene with <laughs> Billy Crystal, they said they had to redo the scene so many times because everybody was laughing hysterically and kept breaking character because Billy Crystal was making everybody laugh so much and he was just rambling off stuff left and right. What a fun set! Oh yeah, the, Rob that Reiner. Had be, that had to be an awesome set to be I on. I think Rob Reiner got it. Like he had to fight for it to get to direct it. Uh, maybe I believe so. But I love the um, spinal tap, the hat he was wearing, and yes. this is spinal tap yep. on the wall. <laughs> yep, yep, because it was the same guy that did the uh, the music, uh, that did the editing. That's... I think it was the same guy that did uh, the stuff for Spinal Tap. So that was part of his thing. He was, hey, you have to make some kind of reference to Spinal Tap. Another it. fantastic cult and movie. And so he wore the hat throughout all of it, directing it, and then you can see it on the wall in uh, the little boy's room. Fred uh, Savage. Fred Savage's room. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, wonderful awesome movie. film, wonderful. Yep. Film. I, the, the first time I got to show that to my daughter, I sat there giddy, just looking at her, watching her react to it. R O U S is. This isn't a kissing book, is it? She goes, "This is a kissing movie." And I was like, "It's there a lot. Some. It's some swashbuckling. There's a torture chamber later. Yeah, <laughs> yes. There's a giant, a real giant. Yes, yes, a real giant. Yeah, yeah. So, 
I think a lot of people look back at uh, Princess Bride with nothing but fond memories and, like I said, will watch it over and over again. Well, how am I supposed to follow Princess Bride, man? Go left field. I don't know. Uh, let's see. Um, <laughs> Raising Arizona. Another good quotable one. Very. <laughs> Nick Cage. Oh, man. I can't Son, remember. You know you got a panty on your head? <laughs> Take all the cash in the register and then I'll be taking them huggies too. That was another one of those just like, what is what is this? What am I watching? <laughs> yeah, just uh, what? <laughs> I love that movie. Oh yeah. Yeah, that's a good one. Out of all the one-liners though, out of all the, the quotable dialogue in that movie, my favorite part in the whole thing is when Nicolas Cage is fighting John Goodman and he raises mm-hmm. his hand up like he's gonna hammer, double hammer fist him and he drags his knuckles across that vinyl ceiling. <laughs> and that shriek he lets out is gold. Yeah. It's just, oh, if you've ever just like throat burned yourself, you go, "Yep, I know exactly." Yep. Been there, done that. Oh yeah, oh yeah. And then it's you know it's goofy as hell. And then the end scene or the end fight scene between him and a uh, Tex Cobb is like that is for a silly movie. That was pretty. That's a really good villain, an yeah. intimidating villain at the end. Mm-hmm. Great. That's I still all movie. the time will say. When we're picking out jammies for the girls and stuff, it's like, I don't know, they got Yodas and shit on them. What do the jammies look like? <laughs> I don't know, they got Yodas and shit on them. <laughs> oh, you want to speak? You said Yoda. Okay. Oh, gosh. Another one. I, I don't remember how... Well, I don't remember because I was a kid, if I was even alive, when it came out. But um, You were. Spaceballs. I think it was actually probably successful when it came out. I would believe so. Um, I mean, Mel Brooks. But another one of those, dude, every line is quotable. It's such just great making fun of things, but in a light, in a happy way. They said that whenever they were doing it, he actually went to George Lucas and was like, hey, is it okay if I make a movie that's kind of spoofing your life's work here? And he was like, yeah. So he read the script. and He's like, I love it. He goes, yes. He goes, as long as two things. One, don't just straight up like make fun of it, like put put us down, say it's dumb, yeah, or anything. He said, and two, you can't do any merchandising because Star Wars was making so much money off the merchandise off of merch. Star yeah. Wars was, which is why you get the biggest toys that had ever been sold at the time. Why you get yogurt? And he's all about his merchandising. Oh. <laughs> Spaceballs, the flamethrower. <laughs> he said the scene at the end where they're all running around trying to get into the uh, skate pods was actually a scene that was scrapped from uh, I think it was from Empire. And George Lucas told him, like, hey, this is a scene that we scrapped, you know, if you want to do something with it. So he kind of came up with that, put his own spin on it, made it comical. But, yeah, that was actually something that was kind of supposed to have happened in one of the Star Wars movies. To be a fly on the wall at that dinner meeting between George Lucas and Mel Brooks. Could you imagine? Wow. Just the conversation. Hopefully there was drinks. Things got loosey goosey. I would think so. I would love to just. I don't think Mel Brooks ever took any or takes anything really serious. (laughs) I mean, I would love to sit down. No, absolutely not. With him, like, like holy moly! I watched his stand-up thing here not too long ago, and I still laugh my ass off. If you've ever seen the producers, you know, no, he doesn't take anything too. That's true. (laughs) Springtime for Hitler. (laughs) Shit. Come on, man. Yep. Blazing Saddles is one you could not make today. No, no, but still a great comic gold if you if you go in with an open mindset and go and just watch the movie for what it is then it's a great movie just don't overthink it come on don't make it you know political don't make it you know 
anything more than this. Just be. It is because it's so political and so. But yeah, that's that's insensitive. It's that's that's the yeah. That's like everybody going, look, we're gonna take it, and we're just gonna make and fun we're of everything. Just make it, yeah, out, outlandish. Mm-hmm. Another movie. This was kind of on my list of uh, cult classics that you could not make today. Would be Heather's. Oh, oh mm-hmm. yeah, oh yeah, with the threat of the. Uh school shooter and all that stuff oh, and in yeah. the movie it's taken very goofy and lightly yeah. not super lightly but you know what i mean it's, it's done for comedic purposes that absolutely would not fly today no no not at all there's no. a bunch of them on this list that you couldn't do that's true that is very true it's crazy how comedy in cinema has changed mm-hmm. over the past probably five years yeah, and you know, I was thinking about this, so we were talking earlier about, uh, or on the last episode, we talked about the whole cult classic thing, and that a lot of time it was movies uh, that didn't do so good in the box office. Mm-hmm. And I think nowadays that's changed a lot because of social media, how easy it is to get word out to people, um, different things like that. Like, back before, if you didn't see a preview for the movie, you didn't even know it existed. Correct. And so then if you didn't talk to a handful of your friends that went and watched the movie, you wouldn't even know whether you should go check it out or not. That was like I was talking about being at the video store. Yes, I would have yes, never been yes. turned on to unless somebody said, check this out. What yeah. do you like? I like this, this and this movie. You will love this one. Check it out. If you think it's trash. Cool. Never listen to me again. If you like it. I've got 10 more recommendations. For yeah, you, sir. And so now it's so easy with social media and stuff like that where you can put things out there. I mean, heck. Say we were a different uh, type of podcast. If we were just talking about stuff that's happening, a show that or a movie that I watched yesterday, I could say it out here. Anybody that's listened to it, go, oh well, you know what? Okay, I'm gonna go check that mm-hmm. one out. You didn't have that back then, so I think there's a whole lot of change in how people get to hear about and get to see movies. So I think that aspect of a cult classic movie is kind of going away a little bit. I think you can narrow down your tastes so much now. Mm-hmm. that it almost puts blinders up to things that you might be introduced to otherwise that you wouldn't accept now. You know what I mean? Like, no, I just like sci-fi and anime and all this mm-hmm. stuff. And it's like, you can, like I said, narrow down your, your stream of consumption so much that everything else can just fly by the wayside. You're in light speed. Everything in that tunnel is what you see. Everything on the outside isn't even on your radar. And that's sad because... That's what gets you branched out into other genres and enjoying things. Maybe you're not a horror fan, but maybe you see one film that you go, I like that brand of horror because Lord knows there's 50 different styles of horror movies. Mm-hmm. Yeah, maybe you don't Same like- with science fiction. You could talk to a person, you know, maybe you have someone in your family that's older and is like, I don't like science fiction. Mm-hmm. Well, let me turn you on to a couple of other things. And they go, oh, I really dug that. And you're like, guess what? That's science fiction. Mm-hmm. No, that was a thriller. It's like, mm-hmm. no. That technically falls in the realm of science fiction. Let me show you another thing. And now you can kind of close yourself off and just consume what you like instead of what's recommended. Because back then when it was recommended, you didn't know what you were going to get. Yeah, when people would actually sit there and go, oh, I'm going to listen to Siskel and Ebert and they're going to tell me what I'm going to go watch this Mm -hmm. weekend. Like, yeah, now it's like, no, dude, I I can just look it up myself (laughs) and find out what I want to know and make my own decision. Definitely a cult film. I was turned on to back in the day called Ginger Snaps, werewolf movie. Yep. Would have never picked it up other than somebody telling me, hey, you might want to check this out. It's completely different. Mm -hmm. And it was. And fantastic film. A lot of people now talk about it 
very fondly. It's a coming-of-age story, really, when you boil it down, uh, about being a young woman and changes going on with your body, but it's put through the lens of lycanthropy <laughs> and, and being a werewolf. Okay. And if you've never seen it, check it out. I have seen it. Oh, you have seen uh, yes, it? Oh, really? Yes. How did same, I not same, know that you've seen Ginger Snaps? Same thing. I remember scrolling by it. At one point, it was on uh, Amazon Prime or something. I was scrolling through looking for stuff, and I saw the, like, you know, the cover art for it. And I was like, eh, nah. So I skipped on, passed it up. And like a month later, I don't know why, but I was like, ah, you know what? I'm going to give it a shot. Why not? And like got done. I was like, I'm very glad I went back and revisited this. Yeah. Like, this was good. I enjoyed it. I hadn't looked up previously what that was made for, but I can't imagine it was too off the rails. But yeah, great film. I've never really never seen Ginger Snaps, highly recommend checking it out. Another one that cult following, but it took a long time for it to really get going. Office Space. Mm -hmm. I love Office Space. I agree with that. Because <laughs> I think... Damn, every, it feels good to be a gangster. <laughs> I think everybody's felt like that at work a million times. <laughs> Has anybody ever asked you if you had a case of the Mondays? Exactly. No, no man. Hell no. Exactly. Did you know <laughs> that in... Maybe you'd get punched in the mouth or something like that. In 2018, Webster's Dictionary picked up the term ass clown and actually put it in because of that movie. So Mike Judge is credited credited as creating the term ass clown. We weren't using it before that? <laughs> oh, I know. Ass Plenty of people were doing it before, but I guess that was the, what finally made it, yeah. you know, big enough, popular enough. But Have you seen my stapler? So you know that, yeah, after that movie came out, they actually came up with the uh, the red line staplers. Or red uh, swing line. Swing line. Yeah, that's what I was like. Swing, swing yeah, was in swing there somewhere. Yeah. Swing line staplers. The swing line staplers. <laughs> Stephen Root. Another one. So many quotable lines. So many fun. But you know what I, I never noticed? Peter, the main character, mm -hmm. when they do the scene where they're uh, out there beating the copying machine up. Yes. He never actually hits it. Go back and watch it. He never okay. actually hits it. I believe you. Yeah. He never actually hits it. Fun fact of the day. And man. that whole scene with him where he first starts it with, he's like, like that was improv. Like that was not supposed just to be having a freak out. But he couldn't get it to work while they were filming it. So he just did that. <laughs> and they're like, keep it rolling. Let's go. <laughs> Yeah. Mike Judge. Didn't he do um, Idiocracy too? Yes, he did. Which I is another one that... Another one didn't do whole, you know, great whenever it first came out. But man, has it survived. Not a huge reception. Has it survived. And oh. you look at it now <laughs> oh, and you're boy. like, you were, yeah, you were hitting all over. We like, are we heading are, there fast. We are definitely on our route to that. Yep. I think, too, one of the things I really like about Idiocracy... Is because I think of like how I would be whenever we watch some of these movies and these characters are thrown in just crazy ass situations, and I love it when yet the character, like the main character, that just kind of keeps us cool, even though it's like, what the fuck's happening? Everything's falling out around him. But I, I like call it kind of call it the calm chaos. Yes. And like in that, like the whole time he's trying to figure this out, and he's like, what? And so he just kind of just goes with it, but he's trying to figure it out too. So like he never gets. Too worked up or crazy. And that's why my next one, sorry, I'm going to do three in a row. My bad. I'll let you catch up. But uh, one of my all-time favorite movies, Shaun of the Dead. Yeah. That whole thing, like, all right. Immediate cult classic. Immediate cult classic. But same thing. like It didn't have to gain footing. It became chaos the whole way through. And for the most part, <laughs> he's just kind of like, all right, we'll go to the Winchester. We'll go to the fight. Winchester. <laughs> yeah, he's got to pick up mum. Yeah. But he's just kind of like. 
Okay, that's what we're going to okay. do. <laughs> and just goes. Like, I know he has his breakdowns. Sean, you but... got red on your shit. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, just like that whole thing where it's like, huh. But I, I think that's what kind of speaks a lot about Simon Pegg himself. Just you want to talk about somebody with the perfect delivery for everything. Him and Nick Frost working together is one of those comedy duos that will be talked about in years to come mm-hmm. as just a perfect combo. Perfect pairing. Oh, yeah. Perfect combo. So that literally was based off of them living in their flat when they were younger. They were actually roommates together. I did not know that. And so like they were like, yeah, that was kind of like a typical day for us was just wake up. (laughs) Just without the zombies. Just take the zombies out of the film. That's us. Yeah. So, yeah. That's one of my my all-time favorites. Shaun of the Dead. I have an underrated comedy from the early 2000s, 2002. I don't think anybody's ever heard of this film, but I watched it. Me and Melanie brought it home one night. And put it on. It was one of those kind of like Napoleon Dynamite where you're going, what? And then rewatched it again. It's called Run, Ronnie, Run with David Cross. Okay. And. Can say I've never seen it. This shit cracks me up. He is like a, this little petty criminal, but he gets popular because he's on Cops so much. And his show Cops cops so much? Yeah. It's not called Cops on the show. It's called something else. But um, yeah. So this producer gets the idea that like they're going to throw sponsorship behind him and everything and start making the show about him getting arrested in different cities week to week and then he starts getting super popular and making a lot of money and it is funny as shit so i like, haven't seen it in oh god probably 15 years so like every time he's got like one up himself yes kinda. yes and <laughs> there's a lot of guest stars in the movie too which was really surprising also hmm. but if you can find it Watch Run, Ronnie, Run. Oh. That's on my list of, I'm going to recommend that one. Now, you might come back and go, that was the stupidest shit I ever watched. Well, we try to we try to point people in the right direction. We I don't try. Always, we it's, don't always it's hit. It's fun. <laughs> and that's... How many times do me and you have conversations about movies that, as close as we are on most of it, mm. a lot of times, other times, we're like, ah, no, dude, I, I didn't it. get it. I didn't like it. Yeah. Uh, 2014, another one that we brought home and put in and go, what did we find? This is a gem. Was what we do in the shadows. Oh, with geez. Taika Waititi and <laughs> Jermaine Clement. And now there's a show. Now, because of the cult following, they have a show. I remember. They're not on it, but yeah, there, there's a program now with what we do in the shadows. When you first told me to go watch it, <laughs> and I started, I was like, what the hell am I watching? This is just The found goofy. footage vampire documentary. Same thing. Like, then I went back and watched it again. And I think that's a big part of it, too. Sometimes you just don't get it the first time around. Mm-hmm. And you go back and you revisit it, and it starts making a little more sense. The Napoleon Dynamite effect. Exactly. Yes. 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 First time you watch it, you go, what, what that was, was that? That was terrible. Why, what? Was no. Kooky. And then you go back and watch it again, and you get yourself laughing When you know it's coming, and you, and you, you know what you're in for. And yes. Yeah. Yeah. I guess that's what your brain Nacho Libre. Compared. Nacho Libre was another yeah, same, great one. Same thing. Sometimes you wear stretchy pants. It's for fun. <laughs> oh, okay. So you brought up Jack Black. Give me my eagle powers. Tenacious D and the Pick of Destiny. Oh, that yeah. one is very close to me, especially like with all of our music stuff. And I mean, I love Tenacious D. I- I've listened to them oh, forever. Yeah. I love Jack Black, Cal Gas, you know, all that. But when that came out, like it bombed. Like it was terrible, which was surprising. Which was very surprising because they said like that was right when Jack Black was first starting to become like an A list actor, mm-hmm. and so they said whenever he was going to do it, they're like, okay, yeah, here's X amount of money. That was right after uh, School of Rock, yeah, and I go, think same time as King Kong, and like do you know, pretty much do whatever. He, they even free reign on it. 
So they got to do all the music themselves, and they just went around to other actors and musicians and stuff like that. I'm like, hey, we're doing this movie. You want to do it with us? And they were all like, hells yeah, we want to do it. Meatloaf. Yeah. Dio. Yeah, exactly. Like all these great. Dave Grohl. Yeah. Well, of course, Dave Grohl was, you know, was just drumming. Was... Yeah. He was, um, I'm was pretty he sure. on the album? I'm pretty sure Dave Grohl has been the drummer off and on for Tenacious D. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm pretty sure. But yeah, so then they were like, they said that it was great on set. Everything was fun. They had a blast. And they came out. It was like, blank. Nothing like just oh, nosedive. Shit. But again, another one was that was like instantly a cult classic because then everybody started watching it, you know, outside, you know, at home or whatever. Water cooler talk. That movie and was funny as hell. It was hilarious as shit. It was great. And of course, the music was awesome because it's tenacious D music. Yeah. And it was just, it was fun. Another one that didn't take itself too serious. It was just fun. Okay. Firing back at you. Another one with great music. More serious. Than Tenacious D, but doesn't take itself too seriously. Empire Records. Ah, okay. Yeah, that's a good one. Empire Records yep. is another one that you can go back to and watch repeatedly and kind of that place in time, you refeel it again, the music. Mm-hmm. I mean, hell, it was Rex Manning Day. <laughs> Catch you in the middle of a drink there? <laughs> Rex Manning Day. Yeah. It's Rex yep. Manning Day. Yep. Yep. I still will drop the whole, my name's not fucking Warren, and get the strangest looks from people unless somebody just kind of points and goes, yes, my yes. name's not fucking yes. Warren. <laughs> yes. Hey, you brought that up? Another great music one? Airheads. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I forget Steve Buscemi's in that. <laughs> it just makes me smile. How could that cast not you know, have a blast doing it with those guys? Because everybody in there... Like, you sit there and look at this whole yes. cast. Brendan like, Fraser, Adam I Sandler. bet these guys had a blast doing this. I think John Turturro's in that, too. No, 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 it's not It's not John Turturro. It's Kramer. Kramer's in that movie. Yeah. He's the bad guy sneaking through the, the vents. It's, yeah, another one. Doesn't take itself serious, but just, it's just great. Airheads, man. I'm Airheads glad you brought that one up. Mm-hmm. You can't call yourself the Lone Rangers. Lone Rangers. It's singular. Pl- singular. <laughs> yeah. You pl- pluralized it. <laughs> But I know me and you, we kind of have a a little bit of a extra extra connection to that one, just because we've done that. We've tried to get music out and done mm-hmm. everything. We now we never took uh, you know Tabasco radio station. Filled. Yeah, we never took a radio station. But maybe that's Sword what we should have done. <laughs> if we would have done that. Maybe it would work. I don't think it works with a radio station anymore. True, but yeah, it's that whole thing. Can like, it go in and hijack some streamers? <laughs> what if our podcast got hijacked? I, you're I'm, only reaching like a <laughs> yeah. we're not that popular yet handful of people <laughs> maybe in the future don't kill me yeah. it's not like you're taking over like Rogan's or something mm. oh my gosh oh well, so what's Empire your next Empire Records okay let me take it serious for a minute here mm, okay. I'm on the, probably more of the serious ones that are on the list it's a very serious movie okay. Billy Jack 1971 yes Tom Laughlin yeah yeah the sequel to Born Losers very serious film. I think it should be mandatory viewing. Isn't that one of those, uh, what do they call that? The, the, the vault that they have for the setup, the movies they put in there. They, they, they do it with movies and music and stuff like that. And it's like, this is like considered. Like a time capsule or. Oh, uh, um, like, like. Not like the this Smithsonian is, vault or whatever. But, uh, like it's a, yeah, it's one of those where it's like, hey, like if a hundred years from now. Is it the Smithsonian? Uh, you know. Something's happened and whatever. Yeah. Like, this would be a historical... I can't imagine that Billy Jack isn't in there. Yeah, like, this needs to be an historical thing that we can still have to, like, to, to go show people. 
and to learn from. And uh, yeah, I think it's in that group of some of those to where, yeah, it'll live on forever. It needs that. to be. Yeah, I That's agree. agree. A great movie. You can go back right. to it now. A lot of things in that movie still resonate today. But I do think that the, uh, the one thing that sticks out the most in my mind is the whole, uh, what's, what's the quote? <laughs> I'm going to take my right foot. And I'm going to whop you on the left side of your face. And there's not a goddamn thing you're going to be able to do about it. And then he did it. And then he did it. <laughs> and that sparked off the whole shebang shootout at the end. And mm-hmm. oh, that, yeah, it's a super serious movie. Somber movie. Very, when they start rolling at the end, one tin soldier rides away. And it's like, oh, it's, they're all victims. They're all the victim and uh, mm-hmm. the oppression. And it's just fucking a beat down. But like I said, should be mandatory viewing. So that was my serious one. It's Billy mm. Jack. Okay, let's go into one that's just totally off the rails. Cabin in the Woods. Ah, yes. One of the more recent cult classics. I don't know. No if, one saw it coming. But see, I don't know if you had a heads up on what it was the first time I you saw it. I don't believe I did. Like, no. it was literally, I was just scrolling through something, found it, and I was like, oh, horror movie. I'm like, oh, Chris Hemsworth. Okay, cool. Yeah. <laughs> and I sat and watched it. And yeah, after about... 30 minutes in, when shit starts going crazy, and you're like, whoa, 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 this is not what I was expecting, but cool. This is different. Like, this is very different. Yeah, when they got the chart up there, and they're, you know, taking bets on all the different stuff, and everything, like, what the? Though, I do admit, I wanted to see some more of that more stuff. More of the monsters? Yeah, some more of the Everybody the did. Things. When yeah. they show that pan out, that zoom out shot, and you get to see all the monsters in the mm-hmm. boxes, and there's mm-hmm. like Cenobites in there, and werewolves, and... Deadites. Deadites, yes. <laughs> That's like, like 13 call. ghosts. Yeah, yeah, some crazy shit. That movie was actually filmed, I believe, two years... Don't hang me up here, but I think it was two years before it was it was put on the back burner before Thor. Yeah, then it actually... And because Hemsworth became such a superstar off of Thor, they decided to release it finally. Mm-hmm. So that's why he looks so much younger, even though it's only two years. Well, he also wasn't as jacked as he was either. No, but it makes you look younger. <laughs> He's yeah. slender. Yeah, Cabin Woods, that was Cabin great. In the woods. If you've never watched that one. And especially if you're anybody that's into horror, that's got to be something to check out. It's a fan service movie. 100%. But something we had never seen before in a horror movie. True. Okay. Another early two, well, mine's earlier 2001, but one when I worked at the video store and I used to sing the praises of this movie to everybody and nobody watched it. Matthew McConaughey, Bill Paxton, it's a movie called Frailty about he's telling the story of him and his brother in their youth. When their dad came home and said he'd been touched by God, and God told him to kill people with an axe, that he could see demons. Not just people, but that he could touch people, see all their sins, and if they had a demon presence in them, then he was supposed to take them out. And it's told from the point of view of the boys who, one of them believes it, and the other absolutely thinks their dad's gone bonkers. Mm-hmm. And so he's like, you're, kill- you're just grabbing people off the street, and neighbors and all this, and murdering them in, this, in our barn. And there's a lot of twists and turns that I can't get into now because I don't want to spoil it for you. Spoil mm-hmm. it for anybody. Watch Frailty. It's a good, underrated gem. So you just told me the plot, and I'd, I've i seen, again, seen the cover art, you know, mm-hmm. on everything. Never yeah. thought that's what it was. A lot of times cover art used, used to misleading. throw you off. Yeah. Because that's not what I was thinking that was about. Nope. It's, it's a good, <laughs> supernatural suspense thriller. Might have to go check so, that it's one a, out. It's a lot of slow burner, even though there's... Murders going on in the movie. It's it's a slow burn movie, so hmm. but not too long. You can sit with it. You can get through it and go. Oh, that was interesting. Neato, hmm. neato. Hmm. It reminds me of if I had to kind of recommend a movie that was similar. Um, Fallen with Denzel. Oh, okay, yeah, kind of in that same vein. Another great one. 
that a lot of people don't talk about is Fallen. Yeah. Love that film. So I'm going to take it back a little ways. And I know this one was a big successful movie. It spawned a sequel. Uh, everybody that watched Does it Does it qualify it. for our list, brother? I think so, because, man... Cult classic? I think so. Gremlins. See, I would argue with you and say Gremlins was not a cult classic because I believe it was successful. Yeah, but I think... Remember when we talked it about a blockbuster. It, when we talked about it, it doesn't... A cult classic doesn't always have to be a failed movie, like failure box office-wise. And the reason I would say that, that this counts... Do you watch it just about every Christmas? Yes. Do you know the movie front to back? Yes. Do you quote it constantly? Not a lot of quoting, but yes. Don't feed him after I... midnight. Yeah. How many times do you say something about Mogwai or do? I've, I've heard you oh. do the little Mogwai <laughs> singing voice. I've heard you do it. I've heard you do it. So, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Plus, one of the cool things. I tip about... the cap to you, sir. Yes. Okay. One of the Gremlins counts. Really cool things is one, it and Temple of Doom were the reason that the MPAA created PG-13. So that's got to give it that props there, man. You guys... Because they towed a fine line between violence and... Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. like, oh, originally... It's a, it's a kid's movie, but there's some violent Originally, it was going supposed down to be even it. more violent and more gory and everything. Oh, yeah, no. it was supposed to be like way oh, worse. No, no, no. But then uh, the studio was like, hey, can we bring it back a little bit? <laughs> yeah. We kind of still want this to somewhat be a family movie. Um, You know... Yeah, it was a pullback a little bit. So there was some other, there was some scenes, like there was something It about, was Spielberg that fought for it, right? Uh, Spielberg so the, and uh, Chris Columbus. Oh, yeah. They pulled back some of the scenes that, like, there was apparently one where the gremlins eat a dog. <laughs> that the studio's like, ah, we, we can't, can't have that, that in a Christmas no. movie. Yeah, no. Which is funny, because it's Christmas, but it was actually released in, like, the summer. I hate when they do that. Okay, but I got a really good little tidbit that I want to throw, but I think we can roll this into our little game. Oh, so let's get ready for search engine results. Okay, you got one for us, bro. Okay, so uh, Gremlins was released on the same day as Ghostbusters. Okay, Gremlins still went on to be the fourth highest grossing movie of the year. I looked up a random fact on there where Gremlins actually did beat Ghostbusters in one city. And I'm going to name opening off weekend? on the opening weekend. And I'm going to name off three different major cities. And you have to pick which one Gremlins actually beat Ghostbusters. Okay. Okay. So, A, Chicago. B, New York. Mm-hmm. New York City. Okay. Or C, Miami. Which one Gremlins actually beat Ghostbusters in? Gremlins beat Ghostbusters opening weekend in A, Chicago, B, New York, or C, Miami? Mm-hmm. Oh, I like this one. Mm-hmm. This one's a little bit, little bit different than how we normally do it, but it's a good random fact. Okay, okay. Well, Ghostbusters is a staple of New York, mm-hmm. so I mean, how we, I wouldn't saw the firehouse. Miami, Chicago. I'm gonna go with Chicago. A final answer? Yes, Chicago. Wrong. Miami it was New York City. No way. <clears throat> yes, because. All of the people that lived in New York City were so tired of all the traffic stops and everything they had going on to film Ghostbusters that they just basically boycotted it. And they're like, we're not going to watch this movie. They were just sick of Ghostbusters? They were so tired of it because they've been seeing it (laughs) 
all over for months. And every time they would try to go anywhere, streets would be shut down and they'd have all this crap going on and delayed, you know, everything they wanted to do. Yeah, anytime they shut down city streets for filming, everybody, the locals hated it. In New York City, hated it. Oh my. And so opening weekend comes along, it's like, we're not going to go see that movie. I would have never. We're going to go see this other one. I guessed it was New York. (laughs) Damn, good one, man. (laughs) So, yep. Well, shit. There you go. I'm sure that's changed. Yeah, yeah. I mean, don't do me wrong. Yeah, Gremlins did great in its own right. We but... were in New York. There was Ghostbusters memorabilia everywhere. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. But yep, that's become like a something they hold to, the, to their chest. You know. Wow. Badge of honor type thing. Wow. Yep, yep. You got me with that one, man. <laughs> Good one. Have you ever seen a little movie? Be my next one. I say little movie. It's a space, not epic, but uh, actually, it's the opposite of an epic. It's a very Personal movie, but uh, Enemy Mine with Dennis Quaid and Louis Gossett Jr. Oh, man, I ain't thought about that in years. Wow. Enemy Mine. Yep. Yeah, where it was like, he's the humanoid one, and the other one's kind of like a Klingon. He's a, they're called Drac, I believe. Okay. They're called Drac. But they hated each other. They crash, yeah, they're in a war against each other's civilizations, and they crash land on a planet together and have to survive because it's a very hostile planet and become unlikely friends. Mm Mm-hmm. But... Yeah, that's a really good movie. Hmm. Yeah, like I, I like it in my mind. One. I hadn't seen it in a long time, but I, when we were coming up with this episode, I was like, "Oh, I'm Enemy Mine's one that nobody talks about." That I thought, and surprising that they haven't remade it. True. I would think that would be, yeah, an easy, easy pickings for somebody to redo mm-hmm. now. Yeah, because I mean, I don't really remember it being like a huge thing. So mm-hmm. yeah, you know, but yeah, huh. it's good pull. Chris Pratt and Will Smith. Boom. Boom. The, you know, thing makes <laughs> $700 million. Yeah. Yeah, and much as Hollywood goes back and revisits movies and remakes them just to remake them, so that's a one that, hmm. Like I said, good pull. Good pull. Yes. Oh. Oh. Recommended. The king of cult movie actors probably been in a lot of them. Maybe not the king, but definitely high on the list. Carl Urban did a movie back in 2007 called Pathfinder. Carl Urban's and been in everything. Yeah. If you've never seen Pathfinder, another good sleeper hit, another very good movie. He plays a Viking boy that is dropped off in the Americas and is raised by the Native Americans. Okay. He's raised for, I don't know, 10 or 20 years and is ingrained into their culture. And then the Vikings return. So he fights against his people. Pretty good action movie. Uh I enjoyed it. I recommend it to people. Hmm. I recommend it to all of you now. Pathfinder, Carl Urban, 2007. All right. I, Another one anything, nobody talks about. Anything Carl Urban. But Urban's I enjoyed in, it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to check it out. <laughs> I'm surprised I haven't seen it. Mark that one off the list. Pathfinder. The name is misleading, but Meh. Well, it was good. Talking earlier about you know the artwork for a lot of them was misleading. But to kind of get on a good note to end this episode on, We've gone through two episodes of cult classics, and we cannot walk away without doing one of the granddaddies of them all, one of both of our favorites, Clerks. Kevin Smith, Clerks. Yes. Absolutely. This movie that just, I'm sure whenever, I know when it came out, it it bombed. It was, it was. No, actually, well, it was huge. I think it was Cannes. Was it? Yeah. Was it? Yeah. The film festival. Yeah. But I know, like, everyone was like, it's shot in black and white, and like, what? What? Like, there's nobody named actor in it. Like, well, I guess there was one or two, but yeah. still, like, nothing. Yes. It, it, it did not fail. It actually was a hit. Okay. Not, you know, what you would think, like, a Marvel movie would do. But, yeah, the little engine that could, man. He made that thing 
on a shoestring budget, sold everything he had to make it. Yeah, went hired his friends as yes. the cast, yep. and yep. then shot it in the store he was working at. Yep. So for guerrilla filmmaking, yeah. getting it done to this day, that is why so many filmmakers got into filmmaking because for Kevin sure. Smith showed them they could do it. Yes, Kevin Smith showed everybody, look, yeah, where there's a will, a dream, there's a yeah, way you can do it, man. And the I dialogue this. was hilarious. It was so gritty yes. and real. It was mm-hmm. you were hanging out. Mm-hmm. With these people that you knew, you knew every one of those yeah. characters was somebody you know, yep. and at some job you would work that you're just like, Pah. I hate this place. wasn't even supposed to be here today. Yeah, I think that that holds a very so special. Clark's place. needs to be held on the pedestal. I'm glad you brought it up before we rounded this thing out because it absolutely deserves its place in the upper echelon of cult classics. Yep, yep, for sure. And thank you to Kevin Smith for giving us that gem. Giving us that. Yes. Yes. I mean, we're not filmmakers, but by God, watching that movie makes you go, you know, I've got good ideas. I've got the scene about the Death Star and <laughs> the contract workers on it to this day holds weight and just you go, yeah, yeah. That that is something that I'm so glad that did finally get to see the light of day. Because I think that changed a lot of people. Like I said, how many filmmakers have come back later and been like, dude, I was inspired by that. Yeah. So, again, thanks, Kevin. (laughs) Thanks, Kevin. All right, man. Well, as usual, this has been a blast. I want to thank everybody for listening along to just the random men talk about movies that you should probably watch. If you haven't already, yes. If you haven't, and kind of hear and maybe you know us a little better now. Or at least understand Maybe you understand. (laughs) The craziness that goes on in our heads. (laughs) The wackadoo things. Or you're just like-minded and go, yep, I've watched all these movies and I agree with them. Mm -hmm. Um, If you have anything that we didn't talk about, be sure and drop in the comments. Let us know. Hit us back with it. We'd love to hear from you. Yep. Appreciate you hitting that subscribe button. You can catch up with us every week. We'll give you a little ding-ding, let you know when we're coming. (laughs) Ding-ding. Ding-ding. So, yeah. Until next week, I'm Kenneth. I'm Keith. We look forward to seeing y'all next time on The Random Men. Ding-ding.